jolly nice to be standing here again with you. And as um, Stuart said, who knows when the next time will be. So it may well be a nice surprise. wonder if you like dreaming. I'm not thinking of the nighttime dreams that we have, uh, because most of us don't really remember in the morning what we dreamt at night. But what I'm thinking of is uh, a heart and mind and spirit kind of dream, projecting your mind forwards to envisage, can't get the word out, envisage what might lie ahead. Seeing in your mind how that dream can come about. I'm sure that we've all done this in the situations that we've faced. I'm sure it's not just the prerogative of teenagers to dream. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's important to cast our minds forward and try and envisage what might lie ahead. Now, many people of whom we read in the scriptures had a vision from the Lord. And many were prepared for that vision and what that vision would lead them to. When we do that, I'm sure that most of us do. It's important to commit all to the Lord. So that the vision that we received may be of him and not just of ourselves. The only one who clearly wasn't prepared to receive a vision from the Lord was Jonah. He ran the other way. He tried to hide, and we all know what happened to him. Now, as this is our final service before uh, our new pastor, Fred, comes... What I wanted to say, what I had in my heart and my mind to say this morning, the the message to give had to be something that was significant to that event, pointing us forward into the coming weeks and the coming months and years. So next Sunday, with the big build-up that we've had, Fred will be standing here where I'm standing Uh, and uh, it will be his first service. A new era for our fellowship will begin. Now, I'm sure that if it were me coming, as he is, that I'd have a vision from the Lord. The Lord obviously has called him to come to our fellowship, to our village, to our area, and to minister in his name, to lead our church to be the kind of people that the Lord wants us to be, and in the kind of way that he wants us to go forward to accomplish the plans that he has for us and for those to whom we will minister. No church is meant to stay on a level ground. We are all called to go forward in the Lord. So we're going to take a look at one verse in Proverbs this morning. And it may surprise you to know that it is not one of the verses that we've been reading this morning, but a different one. We'll come to that in a moment. 
And we're going to look also at some other scriptures to prepare us for this coming time. If you've got a Bible, or if uh, Ian can bring up uh, Proverbs 29. That Is that might... part of the reading? No, it's not. Yes, no worries. It'll, it'll perpetuate through the, through the talk, so just take your time. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. There's a, 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 a very special word from the Lord in that proverb. Most Christians are familiar with this. And it is this. Where there is no vision, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, the most familiar um, a part of that is in the authorised version, in the new uh, in the, uh, international version. It went for a moment. It gives us an, into, an insight into why people with no vision perish. It says, where there is no revelation, where there is no revelation, The people cast off restraint and they go their own way. The message version makes it even clearer in today's language. Proverbs 29, 18. Yes, never mind. Uh, No. (laughs) So, for that one verse, the message version gives it in, in a language that perhaps we can understand a bit more today, and it says this. It expands it a little. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So that's something to bear in mind as we go forward into these coming days. In other words, where there is no vision, no revelation, no direction from God, or if there is a revelation from him and it is ignored, people will do their own thing. They will go their own way, which always leads to disaster, is what this verse is telling us. And in Proverbs 16.25, it continues and says, sometimes what seems right is really the road to death. So we've got to get this correct as we go forward into these coming months. God's desire is to lead us into life and not into death. Not to fall by the wayside, but to go forward in him. God's desire for us is to be a kind of people who praise him, who are guided by him, who develop and grow into maturity in him, to be used by him where he has placed us. And for us, it is in this village and in the places where we live. That's why God is not silent, but is actively seeking to make his will and his purposes clear to us, both in our lives as individuals and in the body of his church, whom we are as we sit here today, but also as we go out into our daily lives. God wants to give us a 
and revelation of his will so that we might live our lives to the full, serve him to the full as his people. So that's the challenge of these coming weeks. The Bible clearly tells us that God has a plan for the life of each of his children. Generally speaking, of course, God's will to each of us is that we are witnesses to him, that we grow in his grace, the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we serve him gladly, that we worship him daily, that we benefit from fellowship with other believers and that we experience to the full the joy of our salvation. Now, this is something that we can um, be involved with individually between us and God, but also something that we need to be involved with as a fellowship of his people. He's not put us here on this earth brought us to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ just to be individuals. But he's called us to be his body here on earth. I believe that God has a special plan for each of our lives as individuals, but also uh, as his body, the church. A quote from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's own handiwork, This is from the Amplified Version. His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined or planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. And in Hebrews 12, 1, Let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now each of us has this race to run, a race that's marked out for us, as the Bible says, and good works to do that God has prepared us to perform during the course of our life here on earth. That's why it's important that we daily seek him that we seek his guidance and his revelation for our lives. However, and additionally, we need to understand God not only has a plan for our lives, as I mentioned earlier, as individuals, but he often calls us to be part of the plan uh, in the body of his church, alongside other believers Not only within our own fellowship, but as we go from one place to another and we meet with other believers, he has a plan for that as well. That's what the church is all about. A fellowship of believers. Individuals going about our daily business, witnessing, working for him, but also in the same manner as we come together. That's why he put us together in his service, in this place. You and I together in this congregation, in this village, in our service, in our worship and where we live. 
because this is a rather scattered area. The places where we live are far and wide sometimes. That's good. So we can minister in those places where we are. We are the church in that place. And then we all come together to worship him. You see, the pastor's not the only one who's called to a church. Fred and Celeste are coming. Sent by the Lord here to this very small congregation. They could have been called to any congregation in the UK. Somewhere where there is a large town, a large city, a large church. But God had no wish for that. He had a wish to bring them here to us as a small congregation. And therefore, as they come, I know that we, as a small congregation, will welcome them with open arms. They bring a wealth of knowledge and love and service to the Lord. And every person who's a member of our church here is a member because at some point in time we felt that we were called to this local body of believers. In the same way that a minister is called to minister, God chose us to come together into this body of people for a purpose, for a reason. We could have gone to any church, but we chose by the direction of God to come here. And since this is so, the question we need to ask is, why has God led you and I to this place as opposed to any other place? Why has he brought us together at this time in history as a body of his local believers? And the answer to that question is what the Bible refers to and speaks about as a vision, a revelation from God. We had that desire to come here, as Fred has a desire to come here, and as we had a desire to invite him and the opportunity to do so from the Lord. And what we're... And what we are to be and to do as a congregation is something that comes not from the pastor alone, not from the elders or the church council or any other human being. These folks are instruments, subjects, but not the originators of what God desires. It would be easy for us to see what we desire for our church. It would be easier for us to sit down and plan and purpose what God, or what we think God requires, but that may well fly in the face of what God desires. It's better to trust him unreservedly than to end up like Jonah, seeing a vision, knowing what God wants, and running in the opposite direction but because perhaps we can see changes coming. We can see someone coming from a different culture who has different ideas. But what the Lord requires is us to stay together and work together so that the glory of God 
will be revealed. Psalm 37, 4 and 5. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. So the focus is all on God. He has a plan for what our lives should look like, how that is to happen, and when things should take place. He also has a plan for our church, for our fellowship here, for what it should look like, for what should happen, and through our fellowship, what will take place. How do we get in on what God has envisaged for us? Sometimes it's difficult to know. Sometimes we come up with different ideas, but as we collectively come to the Lord and seek his face, as we read this morning in the scriptures, he will lead, he will reveal, he will show us the vision of what he wants for us as a church. Now, two principles are taught here. Firstly, what I delight in will determine my desires. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's the crucial point. Sometimes we delight in all sorts of different things and different ideas. We see other churches doing various things and we think, God, that's a good idea. We'll do that. But it may not be what the Lord delights in for us. And so we need to seek his face as to what will delight him. And if you delight yourself also in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. That's the first principle. The second is what I depend on, in verse 5, will shape and determine my destiny. It says this, commit your way to the Lord. First we delight, then we commit our way to the Lord. Trust also in him, he will bring it to pass. So we have cause and effect. Delight and commit. And then the Lord will lead and guide and give us the vision that we need. God wants us to understand who we are in Christ. He wants us to live our lives with a, a sort of identity. And that's why he calls us to delight in him. And our unique relationship with him through faith in the Lord Jesus. He wants us to know who we are and who we serve. And we can grow in this understanding. We can live our lives with this sense of destiny. God has not called us to twiddle our thumbs as individuals or as a church, but to be part of his great redemptive work in this world uh, and to this world he's called us to in our home in our village in the area where we live in our family with our friends and with our loved ones 
to commit our way to him and also to delight in him and to be within those areas, within those people groups, the Lord Jesus, the church. He's committed us to do that. His desire is within our hearts to plant desires and dreams and visions concerning what our participation in his redemptive work is to look like. That we should live our lives with the realisation of the high calling that is ours in Jesus Christ. Here's a little quote which caught my uh, attention this week by a chap called Phil Grant. Now I know nothing about him. Um, there might be many Phil Grants all around uh, the globe. Um, but what he said is significant, and it's this. A vision is the dominant factor that governs your life. It determines all the choices you are making. It's what, what's left after all the layers are peeled away like an onion. Clinging like glue to the inside of your ribcage, it's what your mind naturally gravitates towards when it is not legitimately concentrating on something else. It's what determines your friendships and your relationships that you are cultivating. It's what your prayers are about, what your dreams are about, and giving money towards. So, as it is with an individual believer, so it is with a congregation as we meet together. God has a plan for our church. This is something that I think that we need to focus upon. A plan for our church as a congregation we need to catch hold of the vision that God has for us as we begin this new step of the ministry of Fred and Celeste. Does our church have a sense of vision? Do we have a sense of vision? Do we have a God-given dream? Do we believe God is directing us and leading us? As I said before, I know Fred will come with his own vision that he feels that God has given to us and that we need to embrace. Do we believe that God has preordained stepped for us to walk in, good works to do for his good pleasure? Whether or not our church has a vision from God concerning his direction for us is important in two ways. Firstly, it's important as far as people are concerned. People. God's in the people business, as I'm sure you're aware. We should not then be surprised that whether or not we have a sense of God's direction for our lives will have a direct impact on people's lives. Everything that we do in our day-to-day -day lives has a direct impact on somebody. Whether we meet somebody like in the co-op and have a conversation with them or ignore them deliberately for whatever reason has an impact on them. Our world is, people, is filled with 
people who are hurting. Many have been hurt within the church. Others have simply been hurt by the world or the situation in which they are. There are people all around us whose marriages are in jeopardy, people whose families are falling apart, people who are confused, people who have found that the things of this world don't satisfy them. They need to see lives lived before them which are radically different. The kind of difference that can be seen in the lives of God's people, us, who are living their life on a mission for Jesus Christ. As somebody once said, when you are a Christian, the whole world is basically where you are living and the people whom you surround yourself with. God wants us to live lives that show what kind of difference can be made by their association with one who knows and follows the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we're having a conversation with somebody uh, in our daily lives who we know isn't a follower of the Lord Jesus, we are him to them. We are the church to them and God can use us to make a difference in their lives. We can be the kind of people as this, as we seek the Lord, as we gain a sense of vision for him, walk in his direction that he has given to us as a church. Now, some of you may have heard of the name of um, Steve Jobs. He was the chairman of Apple Computers, and he sought at one point to uh, recruit a man called John Scully, who was associated with PepsiCo. And he did so, not with the promise of more money or more perks or more of a challenge, but he said this, Do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water or do you want to change the world? Quite a difference. Sometimes we can go about in our normal daily lives, one thing to another, not really worrying about what's happening around us or the people whom we meet. That's not God's plan for us. God issues a similar challenge to us. He invites us to seek his face to hear his voice, to do what he tells us to do for the sake of our community, for the sake of our family, for the sake of the world. And uh, as a result of our church being a fellowship with God in a given mission, in a given vision, we can be used by him to literally make a difference to those who are around us those whom he directs us to. And then quickly, secondly, it's important as far as eternity is concerned. The word translated to perish, which we saw in our verse at the beginning, literally means to run wild. Now, it makes us think about the story in Luke chapter 8 how Jesus brought deliverance to a man called Legion. I'm sure that you've all heard of him. 
read about him. He's so named because of the number of demons who were tormenting him that Jesus could see was his problem. And you may recall that when Jesus commanded the demons to go out of the man and into a herd of pigs, that began to run wild, eventually running over a steep embankment uh, to their demise. This is a picture of folks without hope in Christ, whom we meet every day in our lives. They're running wild, they're tormented by Satan, involved sometimes in a very frenzied um, search for help, for deliverance, for peace, for hope in their lives, but not finding anything. And all the while, they're headed for this steep embankment, at the bottom of which life that lies eternal destruction. And God wants to keep as many as possible from experiencing this terrible fate. And he calls upon the church to be used of him, to bring his people to him. That's one of the visions that we need to have for our church. And I'm sure that in the coming months and years this vision will be realised he calls us as his people to join him in that work of inviting anyone whom we feel the Lord is leading us to to receive a new life in Christ he invites us to join him in the effort to see that as I read somewhere that hell is as empty as possible and that heaven is as full as possible. And that's putting it in terms which we can understand. 2 Peter 3, 9. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. A church with a vision is one where people have sought God for guidance. Let's seek God for guidance. I know we have. Let's continue to do so as to how we are to go about reaching people for the Lord Jesus. 1 Chronicles 12. The sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Acts 13. David served God's purpose in his own generation. We need to serve God's purpose too in our generation where we are and also within our fellowship. A church without a vision will evidently and inevitably find itself practising religion instead of Christianity. And so that's our message for today. A message which we need to grab hold of as we start this new experience with our new pastor. As God has sent his beloved servants, Fred and Celeste, to work with us, to open our eyes and our hearts, to pray with us, to help us, to seek God with us as individuals and as his church. Let's work together for his glory through the Lord Jesus, 
by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we thank you. As we read so many things in your word for the visions that you give to us. And as Stuart has already prayed, we pray that we may go forward in you by the Holy Spirit together as a fellowship. And not only as a fellowship, but going out as individuals to our homes, to our locations, to our work, wherever we may be, to be this church in that place. Father, we pray that the vision that you give to us may open doors of opportunity for us to be as the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.